Hello there, happy innovators. My critical thinking brothers and sisters out there. How are you guys doing, huh? Have you missed me? I'm sorry about the delay. I apologize. I mean, I really do think I owe you an apology for making you wait so long. Um, because, like you, you know, I tune into other people's content, you know, videos and podcasts and things like that. And I understand the idea of kind of like, you know, looking forward to something new and having something new to work to and, and things like that. So, having said that, I apologize sincerely for making you wait as long as I have. Okay, I'm going to try to make sure that that doesn't happen again. I'm not promising it won't, but I'm going to try, really, really try to be a little more regular with my Singularity podcasts. Okay. Now, I did record two different episodes last week. Okay. For the record, I did do that, but you know, they just weren't quite there. They weren't good enough. And, you know, I kind of liken it to maybe doing like a painting or doing like a guitar line or something like that. You kind of know, you just know instinctively when it's good and when it's not. And with these two episodes, it just wasn't there. You know, it just wasn't there. So I didn't delete them or anything. I still have them. Okay. But I've decided to put them away and start anew. And that's what you're getting right here, right now. So let's see here. Uh, what has transpired in the time since I released my last Singularity podcast? Right offhand, okay, I can say... Um, that the New England Patriots won the Super Bowl again. Six Super Bowl titles. And that may not seem like a big deal to you, but in my household, that's a really big deal. Because where I grew up, where I come from, the Cleveland Browns never even made it to a Super Bowl. And it's kind of nice, I will admit, to live in a place where the team, the home team, is like the winningest team in history, you know? It's like from one extreme to the other. A city where the Cleveland Browns never won a Super Bowl or never even went to the Super Bowl to moving to a city where, or a region where, the team has won a record-breaking six world championships. Okay, pretty cool. Um, moving on. Um... I am writing new material. It's going really well. And I'm having a lot of fun with the process. So hopefully that will reflect in the finished product when all this new music is done. Okay, so I got my good old cup of coffee here. I'm going to take a sip. Oh, man. That is the best the best cup of coffee I have ever had. Um, you know, a while back, I was in this conversation with a woman who was a fan 
of the Singularity Podcast. And we were having a nice dialogue about different issues and things like that. And she made a comment to me um, that kind of stuck with me. She said that, like me, okay, she was an empath. And I didn't know what that meant. Okay, I wasn't sure what she meant. So I asked her to clarify that to me. Like, what does that mean that you're an empath or I'm an empath? What does that mean? It's a E-M-P-A-T-H, like empathetic, right, I guess, or something. And, um, you know, she kind of explained to me, well, an empath is, you know, someone who's in tune, like instinctively more in tune with how other people feel. And, you know, like it's some kind of magical thing, you know, or some kind of special quality that I have and I gotta be honest with you I was like what do you mean like you think because you know I have an opinion or feel strongly about something that happens to someone else like I'm an empath like you have to give it a title you know like I think she had been listening to either the singularity podcast where I talked about divorce or abortion, or maybe the one about suicide. I forget, maybe all three. Um, But, you know, the the point being that she felt that, you know, being able to have genuine sympathy for strangers and, you know, empathy for someone who's going through something that's difficult is some kind of special quality. And let me tell you, It's not, you know, it's common sense, man. It's common feeling and human emotion. Like, how could you see someone suffering or something and not be able to at least kind of, you know, relate to them somehow and have sympathy for them or something, you know? It's kind of just like one of those things like, really? You really think I'm something special just because... I'm able to relate to other people's suffering and to empathize with them. Like, get out of here. And she was being nice to me, you know? She was being kind, but it's like, we live in such a lame time, you know? Like, having strong feeling and emotion for strangers and their difficult situations and their suffering, whatever, it's not special. It's normal. We're supposed to be like that. I'm a human being, not an empath. I'm a human being with a brain, and I think. I'm a critical thinker, and I have a heart, for God's sakes, you know? Anyway, I'll calm down. I'll calm down, and I'll get on with this podcast, but I just wanted to mention that because it just cheesed me a little bit, you know? We just live in the dumbest time, you know, where you have an act of generosity or kindness towards someone and it's like, you're a special person. Like, no, no way. Supposed to be like that every day, man. Every day with everyone. That's the point. Anyway, so I wanted to talk about this idea that I have. You know, I was thinking about that whole um, curses episode that I did last And, you know, I talked about, like, the supernatural element of curses and things like that. And 
you know, it's a serious topic, but I got to admit, I do love talking about that kind of stuff. I find it fascinating, but it is not a laughing matter. It is serious and it's not just entertainment. I mean, it really, you know, this, I was living this stuff out in my life. I mean, it was happening and it scared me. I am not a, ashamed to admit that it frightened me, you know, those dreams that I was having and stuff. But it reminded me of this other story that I had almost completely forgotten about. And it's kind of uh, cool. I, I think it is anyway. Um, okay, so a few years ago, maybe, oh man, maybe about five years ago or something, I had been watching a couple of movies that had made my radar. And in case you haven't noticed, you know, I watch a lot of films. I watch a lot of videos. I watch a lot of things and I learn from what I watch. I learn faster from what I watch than from what I hear. So I'm a visual learner. And um, so it makes sense to me that I watch a lot of film. I watch a lot of documentary films. I watch a lot of, you know, YouTube amateur videos and I learn things and I, you know, I come to conclusions about things from what I see. Okay. So it's not just simply a matter of being lazy. It's just, uh, yes, I read books and I learn from books and things like that, but I'm just more of a visual learner. Okay. So I have these two movies that made my radar. One was called The Price of Pleasure. And the other was this video of the serial killer, Ted Bundy, you know, minutes before he was executed, giving his final, you know, statement. And so this movie, The Price of Pleasure, okay, was a documentary film done about pornography and the impact that pornography has on society and on people, okay? Now, it wasn't like one-sided. It was kind of like an objective look at this idea of pornography and how it has progressed, like how it started and what it has become, uh, the industry end of it, uh, how much money it makes, how much of a demand there is. And, you know, subsequently in, with the advent of YouTube and the Internet and those things, how... Uh, pornography has become uh, readily available at any time, okay? And it was just kind of like a one-two punch. Like I, like, I don't think about that stuff too much. I usually try to avoid it, I guess you could say, uh, although that's sometimes impossible. And it's a struggle sometimes, you know, to not look. You know, it's hard to not look because I'm a man and, you know... It's like, it's hard to not look when there's a naked woman or something, right? It's difficult. Sometimes. Sometimes it's easier than others, but I think you know what I'm getting at. Um, but the point that I'm trying to make is that um, watching this documentary film and then watching this explanation from, you know, this guy who's about to die, you know, uh on camera explaining to people that, you know, pornography had contributed to what he had become. Okay. Now, 
he got a lot of criticism for that. Like, oh, he's blaming pornography for him being a killer, you know, for being a madman. He's blaming pornography. Okay. And in fact, there was even like this body language expert on YouTube who was talking about him and, oh, look at this guy. He's so full of crap, you know, talking about this pornography, just playing the camera, you know. And I'll tell you what, I didn't take it that way. You know, if you ever watch that video clip of Ted Bundy talking about pornography moments before he's executed, I mean, he starts to cry, you know, when he when he's kind of like admitting or at least expressing how he felt about what he had become and why it had gotten that bad. You know, the origins of it were, in his opinion, and his self-analysis or whatever, that pornography had played a big role in what he had become. Now, I get the idea that, yeah, I mean, millions of people watching pornography, you know, most people don't become Ted Bundy, you know, they don't do, they don't go down that road. It doesn't affect them that much. But the point is, is that sometimes it does. Okay. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is because when Ted Bundy was talking about it, he was kind of saying, okay, I'm paraphrasing now, but he was kind of saying like, the pornography that was available when he was younger is nothing compared to what was available the day he was being executed. And that was many years ago. So, you know, you fast forward to now and you can kind of see my point. Like it's, it's really kind of amped up a lot. And you know what? Uh, some people like pornography. Okay. I understand that we live in a free country. It's your choice. It's your soul. You know, it's your belief system, whatever, okay? But it's my contention that pornography really, I mean, come on. It's really not a great thing. I mean, you got the women that are involved, right? And more often than not, they're probably like, you know, human trafficked prostitutes or something. You know, it's against their will. It's like, uh, you know probably not the happiest existence for a woman. Um, it probably goes against many of the things that live in the hearts of humans. You know, the, the limits, it goes beyond those limits. Um, I, I can't imagine what it would be like. And I guess maybe there are some people who are involved in pornography or something that enjoy it. Okay. So what do I know? Right. You know, how would I know? How could I know? But I would wager to bet that more often than not, it's more of a negative thing. I mean, come on, you know, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, these people are being exploited, you know, sexually on film. That's what it is. Let's call it what it is, you know, whether you like it or not, or whether you agree with it or not. I mean, it is that, right? Um... I don't know. I would guess that maybe, you know, there aren't too many women who, you know, in their younger years just can't wait to get older so they can be a porn star. I guess at this point in time, I don't know. know. With this younger generation, they're exposed to so much more. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe I'm way off. But I don't know. I don't think so. 
I think the reality of pornography and participating in pornography and those things is a negative thing for any person that's involved. Maybe except for the people who are making the money off of it, you know, and buying the mansions and the cars and stuff. They are loving every minute of it, you know, but I'm not so sure all the time. I don't, I don't know. I'm not here to judge, you know. I'm really not because I don't know. But anyway, the point is, is that after watching this documentary and kind of seeing the ins and outs of, you know, the industry and all those things and the impact, the social impact, all that. And then, you know, watching this thing with Ted Bundy talking about this warning for the future generations like, you know, like, look out, because this stuff is really bad. For, you know, this stuff can really produce some really horrible results in people, right? It can happen. You can get carried away, you know, and just literally, literally carried away on that wave. And, you know, that can happen. So watch out, you know. And, of course, it was taken, you know, by his detractors or whatever you know it was taken like oh he's blaming pornography but I don't think he was blaming pornography he was just expressing that he felt that it had contributed greatly to his appetite and how twisted it got okay now like I said it's not like that for everybody but it can happen so we have to be careful right we have to watch right well can you imagine can you even begin to imagine, like, if what his what he was warning us about is true, what kind of monsters are being bred, you know, young people, like, right now, in this age of, like, literally anything goes. I mean, like, in the time that, you know, Ted Bundy was a kid, the only thing that was really available was, like, burlesque, you know? Think about it now. I mean, what what can't you find on the internet? What can you not find? I can't think of anything. You can probably find anything. Type in anything and you can find it, right? So I got to thinking. You know, I had this like box that I had been lugging around for years of all these pornographic videos that I had just accumulated over the years. Like whether they were you know, given to me by friends or left at my house by somebody or, you know, from a bachelor party or something or, um, you know, actually I can remember one time specifically I went with some of my buddies that were in a band I was in. We went to a strip club. It was the first time I ever went to a strip club and uh, part of the price of admission into the strip club was you got a free porno when you put down the money. So, of course, it's like you could take a free video. It's free. You know, I'll take it. Sure. And uh, while we were there, I remember at the strip club, these three friends of mine, they were having like the time of their lives. But I realized pretty early on, like right when we got there, that I wasn't really comfortable with the situation. Okay. And not that I'm some do-gooder, you know, goody-goody or something. It was just like, I'm not attracted to that kind of thing. And it was clear to me 
while I was having my first strip club experience, okay, watching strippers, okay, that I got the impression that they that a lot of the women didn't really want to be there, which makes sense. And I got the feeling that they were kind of being forced into it. That's what it seemed like. It seemed forced and everything was fake and phony and, you know, to make money. And they were selling themselves, but they didn't really want to be. It was an act. It was theater. And I could sense that. And I didn't like it. And I also don't like, you know, those kind of women. I'm not attracted to that. A lot of guys are. I'm not. I'm not attracted to, you know, I'm not attracted to the kind of girls who are strippers. I'm just not attracted to that kind of thing. I'm not affected by fake breasts, okay? Like, that actually is a little bit repulsive to me. Like, this idea of these chemical balls that are sewn into women's skin, it's absolutely horrifying to me. Like, not interested, okay? And, you know, that experience... I mean, I remember it like it happened yesterday. And it was kind of funny because when it came time to leave, like I was so kind of like anxious to just get out of there and like not waste my time anymore that like I made a like kind of like a a high speed walk to the door. Like, let's just get out of here. And I was <laughs> moving a little too fast. I wasn't paying attention. It was kind of dark in there anyway. One of the bouncers had a telephone cord you know, stretched across the walkway. He was talking on the phone. And, you know, as I was speed walking out of this place <laughs> with this porno under my arm, um, I hit this telephone line like a finish line, you know, and the phone and the phone just came like flying out of the guy's hand and like smacked against the wall. It was like a catastrophe, you know, I might have even broke the phone. And I was like, just made a beeline for the door. Like I did not want to get killed by this bouncer, you know. So I remember that experience distinctly and I remember it being, you know, very unpleasant for me. Okay. Okay. So I did have a friend. He was kind of like, he was kind of like my best friend, you know, and he started to date a stripper and I hung out with him all the time. So there were a lot of times where I would hang out with him and his girlfriend or, you know, we'd go pick her up from work and that kind of thing. And, you know, she was making a buck. She's doing whatever she has to do or whatever. Okay. But through that process, I kind of got to see behind the curtain a little bit and I was right. You know, it's not pleasant. It's not fun. It's just a way for some women to make money. It's a last resort you know, and um, in that case, I guess in that situation, I would say I kind of feel bad for them. You know, I suppose it's one thing if you enjoy that kind of thing and, you know, you're doing exactly what you want to be doing. But I don't know. It's hard to tell. Right. Anyway, so around this time that I was watching this movie, The Price of Pleasure, I realized, you know, I got this box of pornography that I've been dragging around with me you know, from state to state, you know, moving around. I don't watch it. You know, I kind of forgot I even had it, but it just kind of occurred to me, like, why am I dragging this crap 
around, you know? And it was a pretty good-sized box of tapes and books and, you know, magazines and, you know, just all that stuff that I had accumulated over the years, like my little porno box, you know? And I decided, okay, I decided that what I was going to do was fire up my good old handy-dandy fire barrel in the backyard, and I was going to burn every single bit of that stuff. Like, burn it into oblivion. Like, just not carry it around anymore, not have it in my house anymore. Just get rid of it. And so I did. You know, I rounded up all that stuff and maybe a few other select books that were not pornographic, but were probably kind of like, you know, on the edge you know, spiritually and things like that. And, you know, I'm just going to get this stuff out of my life and get it out of my house. Okay? And so I did. I did. I fired up the barrel. I started throwing all that stuff in, you know. Woohoo! Doing a little dance around the fire like an Indian chief, you know. Like, this stuff's gone, man. It goes right into the abyss, you know. There's, you light that fire and it disappears, man. You just throw that stuff in there, you know. Get rid of it. And I felt great, you know, I felt empowered and I felt, you know, I just did kind of like a pretty good thing for myself. Like, just get rid of this crap, you know. But what was strange was, like, as soon as I finished that process of burning, when I went back into my house, I realized that down the length of my arm, from my wrist, kind of like almost to my elbow, all right, on the underside of my arm, was this really long scratch that went from the bottom of my palm almost all the way down to my elbow. It was this really long uh, cut, and it was bleeding pretty good, but it looked like a scratch. Like it was like a long you know, cut on my arm. It was actually pretty deep, and it was bleeding pretty bad, and it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, like what is that? You know, and it freaked me out so much that I photographed it. Maybe a couple days later, it occurred to me. Like, that, that was weird. I'm doing this big, huge bonfire of porn in my backyard, and then without having any sensation of pain or anything like that, there's this huge cut down my arm. And, uh, like I said, it freaked me out so much that I actually photographed it. So if you go to my YouTube channel and you watch the video for this podcast that I made, um, the one with the Singularity Podcast logo on it, um, you'll be able to see the picture. Okay, I'll put that in the video in this section here. Um, and it just really kind of freaked me out, you know? Like, I don't know. It just made me kind of wonder, you know, if there was some kind of connection, you know? Like, like has this had this cut appeared on my arm? Uh, by something invisible, because I promise you, I had no, um, you know, recollection of pain or, you know, any sensation of anything touching my wrist or anything, nothing, okay, but bam, there it was, and it manifested as this cut right on my arm, and uh, it was kind of weird, too, because right after I did this, okay, um, and I was, like, feeling all good about myself and everything, I started to have these dreams, and I think I only had two of them. Um, one of them was, um, like, there was this gigantic creature. It was kind of like in a huge, dark, like, cave, like, massive. Like, the, this this creature was the size of, like, King Kong, 
okay? But it had the head and the eyes of that demon from Fantasia. Like, it looked just like that. It had the glowing eyes, and uh, it had me in its grip, okay? And I was trying to get out of this thing's grip, and it was really, really angry that I was getting out of its grip. Like, it was really angry. It didn't say anything. It didn't do anything. But the sense was, man, this thing hated me. Okay. Whatever it was. And I had like one night, like I had that dream. And then like the next night I had another and it was similar. Okay. But it wasn't the same. And, uh, I I bring it up because I really do kind of wonder if there was some kind of connection there, you know, like, burning all that stuff, the cut on my arm, these weird dreams, like maybe what I had done was actually kind of a big deal in my life. You know, I didn't realize what I was dragging around with me, you know, uh, with this box of all this smut, you know, all this stuff. Now, you know, I have to kind of clarify something here. I'm not a saint, you know, I'm not a do-gooder. I'm not like that, okay? Um, I'm not special or anything like that, you know? Um, I just made a decision, you know, about what I want and what I don't want. But it doesn't mean that, um, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm righteous. You know what I'm saying? It just means, like, I made a decision. But uh, I'm flawed, you know, and like I said... You know, when there's a, a naked woman on television or something, it's hard to not look. You know, it's hard to not look. I'm a man. <laughs> I'm attracted to women's bodies. So, you know, it's, it's difficult, but it's not impossible, you know. And, of course, just like with anything else, the older you get, the easier things get in some ways. You know, things like that, uh, matters of self-control or custody of the eyes, custody of the senses, which I've talked about before, you know. Um, I can say, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, there have been a couple of times when I accidentally stumbled across something that I was watching and it scarred me. Like some of the stuff I've stumbled across on the Internet is so disturbing to look at that it stays with me in my memory and I have to really kind of try to forget it. And it is possible really to do that, but it's not easy. It takes a long time, but, uh, you know, I guess I'm bringing it up because, uh, I remembered that whole idea of the scratch on my arm and, uh, the burning all that stuff. And, you know, it was kind of such a bizarre story I figured it was worth sharing, you know, not because I'm special, not because I'm fantastic or anything. I'm I'm a jackass. I'm flawed, all those things. Uh, But I don't know. I figured there was some kind of connection, maybe, between the burning of all that pornography that I had and this massive cut on my arm that just appeared out of nowhere. And then of course, followed by a couple of crazy dreams. You know, this was a while ago. 
This was a long time ago. So, you know, have I seen pornography since then? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Um, but not much and not often. You know, it's something I try to avoid. Um, so there you go. Not much else to say, but I figured it's a worthwhile story, right? It's something. So everybody that's listening to this podcast right now, if you made it this far, uh, hang on. You know, I got some more episodes coming. I promise you I'm going to make up for lost time. How's that? I will make up for lost time and I will do it in short order. Okay. So thanks for staying loyal. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being patient and hanging on. Um, And until next time, remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy.